Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing the show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On today's episode of the PCC Multiverse, Josh and I talk about the official changes coming to the Batman solo film and just who is taking up the director's chair. We also ask if Nintendo has learned from past mistakes with its upcoming Twitch that can ultimately lead the system to retail success, and why Horizon Zero Dawn may just provide another big spark to the king of the console jungle. Then the Super Rope Station Gamescast talk up a possible Watch Dogs 3 and why they're glad Crash Bandicoot is seeing new life. The ladies at Wine, Women, and Words are talking to Rachel Rosilli about the life of being a female stormtrooper. All this plus another great song from Hyperschmidt, a CES interview with Valencell, the Inside Sports Guys talk some NFL Hall of Fame, and the Great Debate is back with a battle of the 007s and why Hollywood is going on the hype train a bit too early. It's another great trip for us as we are so glad you can come along for the ride as we delve into the PCC Multiverse. 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 Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back. It's the PCC Multiverse. How is everyone out there? My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We want to thank you for being part of the PCC Multiverse. We are on the podcast radio network each and every Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And if for some reason you cannot listen to the show as it airs live on the Podcast Radio Network, it's no problem. Because we are also available for download 
on iTunes, Stitcher, GooglePlay.com, and Mixcloud and Podcast.com. We are also available on one of these great networks as well, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and the Gun and Geek Network. All fine ways you can get our wonderful show. Follow us to get the latest information on where we're going and what we're doing on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. And if you have a question, just email us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So we've got a lot of great things coming up on today's show and a lot of things that in the future that we're going to be uh, uh, sharing in the near future that we're really excited about as well. And, and who better to uh, have another great podcast with me on today's show than other than my good friend, the director of Ghost Toasters, the author of Vendetta Dark and the upcoming Congratulations, You Suck. He is the man behind 15 gazillion podcasts on Humanic and Media. It's Josh Peterson. Hey, hey. Um, hey, yeah. hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Just looking forward to diving into the multiverse here. And so what's going on with Humanic and Media? You know, there's, there's a lot going on. There's ghost hosters. I've got a lot of podcasts, a few new ones coming in. Right now you can check out uh, Chad and Travis's musical show about music. Uh, the Double J film cast uh, was, you know, there was Super Bro Station Games cast. I still have a really hard time pronouncing that. Um, and then we have What About This, which is going to come out next week. And then there's going to be another one called Afternoons with Humanikin, which is basically just a news show about tech talk and all that. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming out. Look for Ghost Toasters Part 1, uh, Episode 3 Part 1 next week sometime. And, you know, for everything else, just kind of stay tuned. If you would follow us on Facebook, uh, that would be a... Uh, a huge help. So and Twitter, you've got a, a Humanican Media also has a Twitter as well, correct? Uh, correct, and I, I didn't like this is my first time using Twitter, so I didn't know that everything I upload to YouTube shows up on Twitter. So it's like I feel like I'm annoying the crap out of like everybody who is following me on Twitter because today I posted like eight Assassin's Creed videos just because that's what I'm playing right now. So I figure while I'm playing games, I might as well post like my walkthrough footage. If you've ever paid attention to a Twitter feed. You would say that, that that's okay. It's not not too bad. We're going to have a great show for you as, as well today. We we got stuff lined up from Wine, Women, and Words. Uh, also, uh, you know, the great debate is back with another great uh, thing that they're going to debate about. And can't wait for everyone to hear about that. So, and also the Super Bros can't say the full name podcast because it's just, you know, you forget. And then also another CES great interview lined up. But we're going to be talking first about the changes in directors officially in the Batman movie, the solo Batman movie coming up in the not-too-distant future. So officially, as we had spoken about before, Batfleck is out of the director's chair, and it looks like Matt Reeves is in. So tell us, Josh, you being one of our film experts here and also comic book experts, what's going on with Batman the solo film, and who exactly is Matt Reeves? Uh, Matt Reeves is kind of, he's kind of an interesting uh, story here because he is, like, he his first movie was Under Siege 2. So, I mean, anybody who can salvage a career off of, like, a Steven Seagal movie, I feel like uh, is kind of, has something special going on for him. But uh, for those of you who want to know... One of, more, the, one of the few movies Steven Seagal has made that is not just three words because it adds an extra number. What else uh, is going on with Matt Reeves' concern? Because obviously you said it did take a turn for the better. Yeah, so, you know, from there he did Cloverfield, 
which I love. I know we've talked about this before. He did Dawn of Planet of the Apes and did uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So I think he's got a pretty heavy, like, a pretty heavy resume. So I think he can take a film, although I would have loved to see Ridley Scott in the director's as, chair. As would I, as would I. I think that the, cause I, I, did you see the Planet of the Apes films? Like I thought they were good. I mean, I, yeah, I've seen them on FX. I did not get a chance to see them in theaters, but they're, they're pretty solid indeed. Uh, they're a uh, hit movies, which I don't think people always appreciate as being hit movies, but people still go see those Planet of the Apes movies because they continue to do well at the box office, but I, and until it's really, literally just lands on their doorstep, are not so attached to it. They'll see it, they enjoy it, they just forget about it until that time comes around. Yeah, no, see, that's true. It's it's not really memorable, and it's not something that people. It has a good story, but it's not something that really like sticks out in your mind when you're, you know, when you come out of the theater. You don't like try to. It's not like a uh, Chris Nolan film where you're trying to decide well. Were they dreaming? What's going on here? What was that little top thing that she was spinning around? So um, I'd quote Charlton Heston right now, but no, I'm thinking. <laughs> but yeah, the Batman, he has closed uh, closed negotiations. That's all we really know at the moment. Um, but, you know, we will keep you updated as the story goes on. And, you know, if by some miracle Matt Reeves drops out because Ben Affleck's being a baby and Ridley Scott takes over, then we're all for that, you know? But Batfleck is still Ben Affleck in the cowl as of now. But could this lead to more tension and more problems and and him actually bailing out on the whole project? This is what I'm predicting. I'm predicting that he and Matt Reeves are going to come to blows because Ben Affleck's going to be like, well, I'm the Batman, so I want this to go this way. And Matt Reeves is going to be like, no, that's not how we're going to do things. And eventually Ben Affleck's going to break. I hope he proves me wrong because I I like to see consistency in these roles, but... It's just this is this is a trend in Hollywood. Like the actors get too big for, you know, their their britches, I guess, metaphorically. Thus is Hollywood. Yeah. So, but it's something that we're definitely going to keep an eye on, indeed. And if you have any questions or opinions on it, like I always say, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, or Pop Culture Cosmos at, at yahoo.com to email us as, as far as that's you can do that as well. So it's going to be a great show lined up. And in a little bit, we're going to talk about maybe a reinvigoration of the PlayStation 4. Not as if they need it, but it certainly comes in time as far as with the Nintendo Switch is concerned. And speaking of Nintendo Switch, we're going to lay in some more concerns since we've got some news as far as maybe what's not going to exactly be there at launch for Nintendo Switch. We'll, We'll share our thoughts on that. Have they learned from their mistakes? and are going to be able to do better things with Nintendo Switch. We'll, we'll share our thoughts on that and, and a lot more coming up in the show. But first, we're going to play, again, I want to thank Hyperschmidt, Chad, and, and, and the entire band for, for allowing us to play their music for these past few weeks. And if you get a chance, check out their stuff, hyperschmidt.com or Hyperschmidt on YouTube. By the way, he's got a new song coming out. But you've been telling me this. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. He's, I, I talked to him personally, and he said, yes, I'm just waiting for the mastered copy to be sent to me from my producer, and then I will send it to you guys. So that's good news. you know. If, you, if you've been digging these songs, then there's more on the way. I can't wait to hear the new one indeed. So that's Hyperschmidt, and this is their current big song, After All. And this is Hyperschmidt, one of their big songs, After All. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
That was Hyperschmidt with After All. Up next, the Super Bros Station Gamescast take the floor to talk a possible Watch Dogs 3 and Crash Bandicoot. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Okay, back to the news. That's a trademark song I just came up with for the news. Um, <laughs> hey, so there's not been a whole lot of news since we met last, but uh, there was something that came out today. I know your guys' favorite PlayStation 1 game we've been talking about nonstop since we began. Crash Bandicoot, the trilogy, insane Cortex Complex trilogy, is coming out June 30th, 2017. PS4 only, $40, best day of our life. June 30th, 2017. Are you guys excited or just like beyond belief? I know that we've been talking about this as a Crash Bandicoot uh, fan cast. See, so. this, is, this is my thing. You know how I've been talking about Assassin's Creed? Yes. No. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, was like I like the idea of buying Assassin's Creed and playing it again, and then I remembered how much I hated it. So I don't want to taint my memory of Crash Bandicoot by going out and buying a remake and then not liking it. Did you actually have a great memory of those games though? Like I, I played them after I, Super Mario 64 so like it, hey, I enjoyed them but it's like Super Mario 64 correct? I never owned a Nintendo 64 okay that what? part of my childhood just feels like it's ripped for me because my parents bought me a Playstation for Christmas instead of Nintendo. Like my parents made a big and mistake. I just remember for hours playing Crash Team Racing instead of Mario Kart. Yeah. I, I got the Walmart version of Mario Kart. I'm uh, sorry. I have decent memories of playing Crash Bandicoot. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's, it's an okay game. Did you play it? Yeah, I played it. It's alright. Um, I would be... I would buy a PlayStation 4 if they did a remaster of Croc. Crash Bandicoot. Croc. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time oh, that game was... Or Gex? Or Croc. No, no. Just, let's just talk about Croc for a second. I actually remember playing that game and just for some reason it looked cool to me when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I actually like, liked it when I played like, the demo, but... Yeah, it reminds me of that, like, that era, because on PlayStation and N64, like... There's like an island of misfit toys somewhere, just like <laughs> not like unsuccessfully launched platforming characters like Chameleon Twist. Oh, that's great. And uh, what's the what's the other one on N64? Glover. But there's yeah. another one. There's it's also like similar Space to Chameleon Circus. Twist, but it's um, not Chameleon Twist. There's Space Circus, which is like you're that one's supposed to be really good. You're like a weird clown in an orange jumpsuit who does platforming. <laughs> there's like Croc. There's Gex. There's Spyro. There's uh, Chameleon Twist. There's oh man, what? There's not. No, you're not talking about Banjo, right? You're not talking about the good ones. No. no. Oh, okay, you're talking about like the, yeah, Chameleon the Twist characters. was an awesome game. Chameleon Twist was an awesome game, but it's still like the B. It was back. I think Chameleon Twist was a claim. Do you guys remember Acclaim, the company? Yeah. They made like NBA Jam and stuff. They're no longer in business. I think they became Activision or, or bought out or they closed down or, or something. So they like claimed to be. Yeah, so Crash. I remember my brother had a PlayStation 
but I was mostly interested in playing Final Fantasy VII, Mega Man Eight, and Croc. So oh, Croc is <laughs> Croc was a not a game. better it was, game. It was fun. <laughs> I like yeah, but it has there's like something alluring about it because. And Nintendo is really good with this because their brands have their own, like they have appeal and nostalgia wrapped into themselves. But like the brands that started on Sony, like Crash and like Spyro, they feel like really hoard out. Like when I think Spyro, I just think, oh, this is something that I see like a bunch of toys for at Target. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the same with Crash. It's like I've seen Crash on everything now. I feel like so they just kind of like feel like like. You know, like really, like shelled out, like sold out mascots, and so they don't, they don't like raise up anything in me other than like mass marketing. But Nintendo being very reserved in with a lot of their stuff to their detriment and to yeah. their benefit, it still feels their their brand still feels like unspoiled in certain ways. They didn't, yeah, they definitely didn't like. Hey, this did well. Let's make yeah. five million copies. Like the fact that I could, the thing. fact that when I was a well, kid that I couldn't amigos. go to like. Now, okay, whatever, and now that's Amiibos. like Amiibo is just like a weird toy thing. It's not even like a game. They I, still don't make like well, yeah. Amiibos, besides Pokemon, they don't do a lot of cross genre games outside of like them. And, and when Mario they do Mario Olympics, stuff, yeah. all of the Mario stuffs pretty good. Besides Mario Olympics, that's made by Sega. But like Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, like those at least the original ones were like some of the best games ever. I know the recent ones weren't that great, but like the first Mario Party was a ton of fun. The first uh, Mario Tennis and the first Mario Golf and the first. All of those Super games were great. Smash Brothers, I remember but that game came There's out. something unique about, I mean, and just how crazy, ridiculous the Mushroom Kingdom is. That yeah. It's just that it's, <laughs> like, I, yeah, that's kind of an issue. It's like an game. issue when I think of Crash. I'm like, nothing, this is like... It's just an island, which is... It's like, <laughs> kind of, it's like kind of Banjo-Kazooie-like with the, like, island feel. Yeah. And then... I, 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 I get what you're saying, because, like, Crash... Like, especially with Spyro, you mentioned Spyro, and I have kids come up to me and say, Hey, have you, ever play, yeah, have you ever played Spyro and the Dragon? I'm like, yeah, I was playing Spyro when you were still a sperm. And it's like, uh, that part of that. my childhood is like being taken over by corporates and like new kids who don't know anything about Are you talking games. about the best game of last year, Imaginators? Yeah, yeah. Spyro. So I, so I, I, I get feel, why you... Yeah, it, all, yeah. it all feels like a, like a Disney Channel or Nickelodeon commercial now. Yeah. So it's like, that, like, I don't like the like mixing of like the film and TV media and game media because yeah. it felt... Oh yeah, they have that on Netflix, like, don't they now? Spyro yes. something, the Imagination. Yes. Skylanders, yeah. that's what Skylanders, they're called. Skylanders, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I like Crash Bandicoot. I think at 40 bucks, I'm going to wait until it's like 20 I mean, they were great games. The the remasters look cool, but are they going to hold up uh, 20, 20 or... What? It's probably about 22 years since the original yeah. launch. Like, think about it too. When, when's the release date scheduled for it? Uh, June 30th. Okay, so you, you're going to have... You know, people are probably still going to be playing Mass Effect, especially like yeah. if there's new games coming out. Oh wow, there's so many games Yeah, you're going to want to play... Silly. You're not going to take the time to go back and play Crash Bandicoot. But, you know what, I mean... I would take the time to play Croc. And that is <laughs> something... Croc and Chocobo Racing. Chocobo, Chocobo Racing was racing. great. And Chocobo... Chocobo was awesome. I never played, but Chocobo Dungeon was Did, also... Uh, like, almost the Chocobo game. Do you guys remember a game called... It's like Ur... Urguys. Urguys, yeah. I, I own all these games. I love that game, and I've spent so long... I've spent so long, like, in the depths of eBay looking for that game, and I just cannot find it anywhere. That's a hard I one. I loved it. I have it and the player's guide for it. Really? Oh. That's That reminds me of, like... 
that game only, I don't know why, it's just probably because they're both owned by Squaresoft or now Square Enix, but that reminds me so much of Bouncer, which yeah. I really enjoyed at the time. This I was cool. I need to go back and play that game, but since there's no Dude, way to do that. Yeah, Early Eyes was like the era, like right after Final Fantasy VII, when like the demo for Final Fantasy VIII was the coolest thing. Yeah. Because I remember that Demos, came out, yeah, that came out kind of close to Legend of Lagaia. Yeah. I, bought, I had to choose between that or Legend of Lagaia, and I chose Legend of Lagaia? I don't even think I know really. I know oh, really? the game, but so I don't really cool know game. anything yeah, it's, about it. a fun game. If you told me about Legend of Mana, then I think, yeah, I chose Legend I think of Mana. When I, across I think my, when I almost got Legend of Lagaia, I got Tales of Destiny instead. Oh, okay. Which was actually a rad game. Well, as everybody knows from previous, uh, previous casts, we love Tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we love Tales. This is a pro Tales cast. But Tales of Destiny is great because it just basically feels like Star Ocean. But Eric, I got a question. If you could get Croc on your Nintendo Switch, would you? Mm, yeah. Yeah, but we still don't know if that's possible because they still haven't told us if they're going to have virtual console, and it's unlikely that they'll have virtual console with PlayStation 1 games. Speaking of uh, listening to music in your cars, back to Watch Dogs 2, the ending uh, hints that the game, the third game will take place in London. So I'm glad they're making a, a third one. Uh, two has been a blast. It's pretty much... One of the best, like, collect em all games I've ever played, where they just have so many things you're collecting and you use little drones to go around the city and collect things. So I'm, I'm happy they're going to give it another shot because I know that Watch Dogs 2 did not do well. Um, I don't know if you guys have played it, but they actually have the first four hours for free to anyone now. Like, they don't do that for games very often, but you just download it. And not only that, it's the whole game's done in co op, too, which is not a very common thing either. So, like, well, not the whole game, not the story missions, but... Have they announced whether or not Watch Dogs 3 will merge into Assassin's Creed 5? That's what I want them to do. I just want them to make Ubisoft <clears throat> That is so cool just... that they exist in the same universe, though. Like, I'm not going to play yeah. Watch Dogs 2, but... Oh, they do exist in the same like universe? The yeah, I'm yeah. actually, I was actually joking. 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 Yeah. But they should, they should just make, like, a better version of Watch Dogs Assassin's Creed mix, where you're actually, like, an assassin... Who can takes place in the world of Watchdogs? You know, well, if you played Black Flag, yeah, uh, they actually hint at Mister or Bloom Industries. Oh, Bloom, the, yeah, that's yeah, the bad guys. When you're hacking all the systems, they talk about Bloom Industries. Catch the Super Bros Station Gamecast today on the Mannequin Media Facebook page, YouTube, and Podcast.com channels. Valencell shares with us how their products power the leading tech devices in this CES interview. And we're back again at CES 2017. We're at the Valencell booth with Ryan Crowdle. Yep. All right. How are you today, my friend? Doing great. How are you? You said you were the director of marketing for the company. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of great power as far as what you guys do to go ahead and help out the latest technology, not only as far as mobile, but also wearables. But tell me a little bit more about how Valencell is leading that charge. Yeah, great question. So uh, Valencell makes the biometric sensor technology that goes into wearable devices and medical devices of all kinds. So your smartwatches, your fitness bands, your audio earbuds from companies like Bose and Samsung and Jabra and Sony and a bunch of other companies. We're kind of the Intel inside, if you will, for biometric wearables. Okay. You can see some of the, yeah. the products here that are it's like a, on the market today. It's like a who's who. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of great partners. I see uh, Sony, Samsung, my gosh, Tigra, Jabra, Bose. The, you know, this uh, looks like a never-ending list of clients, as far as it's concerned, that you provide pro great products for. 
So how are they all incorporated as far as, how is, is Valencell uh, as far as when it goes to making sure that they are part of this great technology, how does Valencell make sure that their, their technology puts their, their people that they work with over the top as far as everything that they do? Great question. So, um, Valencell is is laser focused on making these devices as accurate as possible, regardless of what anyone is doing, whether they're sitting on the couch or if they're running a marathon or doing a Spartan race or something a little more extreme along those lines. We we pride ourselves in the accuracy of this technology to work in all conditions and in all kinds of different devices. We um, not only develop the sensor technology. But the way we guarantee the accuracy is we also run a biometrics testing lab that looks not dissimilar from the booth that you see here where we have a PhD exercise physiologist and he's got a team of exercise scientists who is continually testing our latest technology, the prototypes of our customers' devices that haven't yet come to market, and then also testing other devices that are available on the market to, to really push them to their limits and see where they work well, see where they don't work well, see where they fall down, and ultimately how we can improve our technology to make sure it's as highly accurate as possible. If somebody wants to find out more information on everything that Valencell does, where can they go to find out that great information? best way is our website, valencell.com. It's V-A-L-E-N-C-E-L-L.com. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Ryan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, thanks. And it's been, right, tell you what, right now, Valencell powers a lot of great products. So if you see these products out into the wild and it tells you that they are powered by Valencell, you know you've got a great thing going on there, right there for you, for all your health and technology needs. This is Gerald Glassford for Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll talk to you soon. For more info on what they're all about, check them out today at valencell.com. After the break, the great debate begins as the topic of who is the best James Bond sets the stage, and then Josh and I talk Horizon Zero Dawn and our concerns with the Nintendo Switch. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the PCC multiverse. And thanks so much for listening. Again, we're available every Friday night here on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We just truly want to thank our sponsors out there. But we truly appreciate Retro City Games and also as well Rob McCallum Films. Check out for all the great projects that Rob McCallum is doing on robmccallumfilms.com. And then if you have any questions in the video game world, go ahead, talk to the people at Retro City Games. Nicole and Doug are truly awesome to deal with. And you get to all see a glimpse of what everything that they have as far as their stock is concerned because they are the leader in gaming in Southern Nevada. And if you'd like to be a part of that sponsorship team, you want to give us a, a shout-out, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We also want to thank Utomic, who we interviewed, the CEO, 
Doki Tops, last week's episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos, and we truly appreciate Utomic, which is an outstanding game service that you can get available to you right now. It's on Utomic, U-T-O-M-I-K dot com. That's U-T-O-M-I-K dot com. Excellent game streaming service indeed. In fact, a lot of people call it the Netflix for gaming. So it's truly, uh, truly awesome indeed. If you want to check out more about what it's all about, my interview with Doki Tops, the CEO, was on last week's episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check that out on all of our download networks, including the ESO, Tangent Bound, Gun and Geek Networks, or on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast.com, and Google Play and Mixcloud.com. Utomic has just announced... As of today, they wanted me to share the news that they are now uh, have Disney titles in their library, which includes a lot of these Star Wars games that are now made available on the streaming service. So give it a try, utomic.com, 14 days free trial. That's a 14-day free trial. What do you got to lose? And then $5.99 while it's in open beta. So that's $5.99 a month while it's in open beta. So check that out, utomic.com. So we are now, speaking of gaming, talking about some of the recent games that have hit uh, the console area. And the reason why I was talking about earlier that the PlayStation 4 might see a resurgence, and I, I didn't want to say that too lightly because, yes, I do know that quite often each and every month they are the number one seller as far as consoles are concerned. And, yes, I do know right now in this current console generation that they are number one by a landslide, uh, almost twice as much, if not, twice as much as the Xbox One. Horizon Zero Dawn is just about out on the marketplace. It's garnered excellent reviews and getting a lot of great raves. So I ask you, Josh, your thoughts and your excitement for Horizon Zero Dawn. It's tough for me to talk about Sony games just because I don't have a PlayStation. I, I want one, and Horizon Zero Dawn has made me want to go out and buy one. The reviews, I, you know, I've been reading uh, reviews, watching reviews, uh, there's a lot out there that the reviews are fairly positive. Uh, I've seen like, the, you know, it's got eights and nines. I haven't seen any tens, but if you think about it, this is actually really impressive because Guerrilla Games, they, Killzone is their call to fame. And that's a, you know, that came out way back when, and that was supposed to be the Halo killer, but it ended up just being a massive disappointment. And now they've come back. So people weren't expecting to see another, you know, another game from them for a while, but then they've, they come back out of nowhere with this massive new IP and it's just, it's beautiful to watch. Have you seen any of the gameplay from it? I have seen quite an extensive bit of gameplay, a lot of streaming action already available for those who, who have had access to it. For Horizon Zero, like it's, it's for the first time, like it's one of those AAA titles that is, that all the hype that it got is, is going to stick around for a while and it's going to maybe even hopefully turn into its own franchise here if we, you know, if the numbers are good, but I, it, it looks like a beautiful game. I can't wait to play it. Uh, I might even go out and buy a PlayStation just to play it. And that's, you know, those, those are my thoughts on that. So definitely something to look forward to indeed, as far as the console exclusives, but especially Horizon Zero Dawn reinvigorating that PS4 market even more than it already is. So, and just in time because Nintendo Switch is coming out right around the corner. Which leads me into talking more about the Nintendo Switch, which is coming out March 3rd with great anticipation. But I know there's some reservations out there, including some I share myself in regards to many questions uh, that 
was brought up even today when when it was announced that the virtual console will not be ready in time for the launch of Nintendo Switch. And also um, the Binding of Isaac uh, will also not be available as a launch title, which decreases the number of available launch titles that there are for. Although anybody seems to be only caring about one title, which is Zelda Breath of the Wild. But your thoughts on Nintendo Switch and some concerns that you have in regards to being something that the Nintendo fans and the casual fans can get behind. Because I'll tell you an example today, I'm, I'm, my concern. Uh, you know, the, the one of the most recent entries to the Nintendo 3DS iterations is one that came out with an, an exclusive Galaxy style. The, the Nintendo 3DS XL that came out with the, so beautiful with that, that purple galactic style look and and uh, definitely something that a lot of people were interested in. Well, Katie, uh, who has been one of our longtime followers for many years with Game Source and now Pop Culture Cosmos, she reiterated her frustration because she, Nintendo inexplicably, and we reported this before many months ago on, on, on Game Source, but you know, we forgot about the fact that 3DS as now in, in some cases do not come with adapter. That to me is a sign that Nintendo, for whatever reason, just doesn't have always the foresight it should. It makes a great product, but somehow manages to muck it up in some sort of fashion. So I ask you, what are some of the concerns you have about possibly for those that might be interested in the Nintendo Switch? I feel like there's a lot of hype going around Zelda, and once people are done playing Zelda, that's really going to be it for most people but <clears throat> as and if there's if the mario galaxy game does not come out in time yes or the super mario kart 7 updated version doesn't come out in time or the um splatoon updated splatoon version doesn't come out in time well, they need to have a sick e3 announcement like a, a really just great show a, a lot of things to offer to really restore people's faith like all those games you mentioned and more hopefully an announcement on the virtual console because that that's a big thing like to people they want a virtual console and granted like on the wii u like you had to pay one or two dollars to get the upgraded updated versions of the games you already had but that's important to people like people like to be able to play their old games that way when they run out of like zelda to play they have something to go back and play some more. I think Nintendo has a history of not being entirely honest with their fan base when it comes to releasing these consoles. You know, they they don't they don't do anything to quell uh, rumor or speculation. See with Xbox and Sony, with Microsoft and Sony, at least you know what you're going to get. And granted Xbox 1 had a very like probably the best launch titles that I've seen for a while. You know, they tell you like if so, if someone says something the the heads of these companies always come out and say nope. It's just rumor where Nintendo will ride those rumors until their numbers go up. And then, you know, come launch day, two or three days before launch day, they're like, oh, sorry, guys, you're not going to get that that virtual console after, you know, the the idea of the possibility of it just caused a lot of people to go out and, and pre-order it. Me, I, I've been a Nintendo skeptic for now for a long time, and, and I've not apologized too much for that. They've made often a lot of indications that they're not always – in favor of making decisions that's that's consumer friendly or the right decision for gamers. So I'm hopeful that they'll make changes. But then again, as Katie indicated to me this morning, 
that's not always the case when you go out and you buy a 3DS and it doesn't even come with an adapter anymore in, in some cases. So we'll have to wait and see. If you have any questions or thoughts on the subject, you can always get a hold of us, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter, and of course, send us an email. We'll read it on the air, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We've got some more great stuff coming for you on the way with the great debate. And we're going to close the show with, with something that is an increasing trend that I'm not sure I'm in love with or quite understand, but we'll talk more about it in a little while. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey everyone, venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network. Welcome everybody into this exciting edition to the Great Debate. Welcome everybody in... (laughs) Silence, minion. That's one demerit. That is one demerit. You're not allowed to speak yet. As if this wasn't an uphill battle already. I'm still opening the show, so I command silence. (sighs) Overseer has spoken. Go ahead. All right, so, everybody, this show, we're going to be debating Bond. Who is the best Bond? There has been six of them. We're going to be really debating five of them, since one has only been in one flick. And we'll we'll talk about the fifth one after we get your judgment. Yeah, we'll get to it. And that's right, you hit the nail on the head. My judgment, <sighs> I, your host, the great and powerful Jay Rock, will be determining who is the winner for tonight. So, <laughs> the man uh, behind the curtain, the great leveling. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to welcome in our guest for the evening, Jordan, who will uh, you know Jordan Morris, the the sighthound, the Canadian sighthound, who's been on uh, the program once or twice. I think in your absence, he, he, yeah, the gap. he was. Yeah, gentlemen, how are you all? Doing well. We're doing good, and of course. The other side of the verdict is going to be the one and only Rob McCallum. Yep, filling in again. This is my second debate in a row. I think my third one. Um, right now, I'm what two and zero. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're yes. doing good. It's all on the line. All right, so <laughs> God, I'm shaking. I'm nervous. That you're shaking because you've had like three cups of coffee in less than an hour. That's why you're shaking. So, you're you're wired in. I'm wired up. Okay. <laughs> So all right, so let, let's let's get to it. Let's uh, let, let's tell the audience about the format here, so they can understand how we're going to compare. You know the bonds, the all battle right. of the bonds. There will be three rounds. Yeah, round one it's going to be Connery versus Moore. Yeah, so Golden Age Bond, basically. Yes, round two, Dalton versus Brosden, Silver Age, and round three, Craig. Yeah, good or bad. All right. Okay. So and just to let everybody know, uh, of course, like in all our debates, I give the guest on the show the opportunity to. To choose first, and I'll just pick whatever's left over. So Jordan is going with Connery in round one, Dalton in round two, and he's going to uh, battle on behalf of Daniel Craig. So he's pro Craig uh, as far as like, is he good or bad for the franchise? Like he needs my help. Yeah. Oh well, you know wow. he, he actually needs right, a let, ton let, of help. All right, let's not skip to round three, gentlemen. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. All right. Here we go. We're going to start this debate off right. As usual, our guest will go first. Are you ready? Here we go. Round one and Jordan B. 
begin. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. What, what else is there to say? Two words, Sean Connery. The guy launched and cemented into popular culture not only a franchise, but an entire genre of films. He was not supposed to play the role, but the wife of the producer, Albert Cubby Broccoli, her name was Dana, thought he was so hot that they had to hire him, and they did. And in fact, after that, and when he started to go over huge, the author, Mr. Ian Fleming, gave Bond of the heritage that Connery had to make the two match. So he actually informed the entire source material series of novels. How else? I mean, what other argument is there? Connery is the man. He's the one and only. And uh, Moore is a cartoon. All right. I'm getting upset. All right. So, Jordan, as you say, what other argument is there? Well, we turn to Rob for that other argument. So, Rob, you may begin. Okay. So, this is going to be kind of a a doubleheader. Connery, yeah, he launched the franchise, but he did not cement it in popular culture. If it wasn't for Roger Moore, who made the series legendary... Because Moore did more films than, than Connery did, even if you can count that bootleg, non-official Bond film <laughs> that Connery did. And, you know, does, do we really have to take this debate beyond Battle of the Bonds that summer, Never Say Never Again versus Octopussy, which Roger Moore won? The fans spoke that summer quite clearly. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay, no, we don't. It's my turn, sir. That's a demerit for you. I'm speaking you, don't get, you don't get to hand out demerits. So this, That's th- a demerit for you. <laughs> no, he's handing out demerits. Okay, both of you. No one's okay. handing out demerits Here's what me. it comes down to. Sure. Sean Connery was the, was the first, and it's and it's so hard being the first of anything. He may have introduced the spy genre, or at least cemented it, and may have been responsible for American stuff like Get Smart and you know Mission Impossible TV series. But it was Roger Moore who took it to legendary status. Yeah, it's a different style. But it was Moore that basically won people over, that fought the archetype, and basically carried it over an entire decade. And he loved playing Bond. All Connery did for his entire tenure was hate it because he didn't get underpaid, didn't like the publicity, and fought with the producers the entire time. All right. Like any good artist does. All right. That sums up round one. So that's it, round one. We don't get to go counterpoint on that? Do, do you really want to go counterpoint? Do you have anything else to say about Connery, Jordan? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. <laughs> okay, we each get one more go. Go ahead, buddy. All right. I'm All right. interjecting. What show is this? <laughs> I, I think at least Golden Age deserves a little bit more credit, you know, regardless of who wins. So, Jordan, go ahead. It's a runaway train. All right, fine. Everybody thought that Chuck Norris was cool. Forget it. Uh, Sean Connery is the ultimate cool guy. Chuck Norris sounds like a school secretary when he talks. Sean Connery's accent melts women's clothing. You know this. It's true. It's like comparing Christian Bale to Adam West in the Batman franchise. Like, forget it. So One guy we is agree- a living cartoon. Okay. Roger Moore introduced the character of J.W. Pepper. I, I dare you to try to defend that. We're talking about James Bond here. <laughs> We're not talking about the ancillary <laughs> stuff. Do I have to go into the amazing history of Sean Connery's film career? Because there's a few little snoozers there that we can probably pull out of the bag. If, I'm, if, sticking if that's the direction the, you want. Hey, I'm sticking to James Bond movies. Okay, How let's about stick driving to James a gondola Bond. down the street? Who, who else would drive a gondola down the road or the front half of a Renault? And try to look credible. I don't know, the same guy that has to rustle women to, to, to feel tough? I mean, Connery, all he is is a big thug. He's got no suaveness, no debonair, no style. He's got to beat people up to look cool. What does a that say? Instrument. A blunt instrument, exactly the way that Fleming described it. Yeah, but you know what? Just because somebody writes it doesn't mean that's the best way to go with the character. What are you talking about? That's the source material. That's the only way you're supposed to go with it. And no, in fact, no, no, like no, I said, no, no. he informed no. the entire series. That's called good marketing. Bond. You write the series based on... On what's there because you want people to pick up the book and read it he originally envisioned bond more as himself 
which is a more debonair kind of guy that, that plays behind the scene like the naval commander that he was doing espionage missions. It was only once Connery's cast, like you said, that he switched it because that's good business to make the book that people because pick up like the character idea. on the screen. No, it's mind. called it's marketing 101. If people like that on the screen, he's going to tailor the books to go that way. Oh, and I mean, the, he, fact, the fact that Roger Moore was the only guy that was ever asked to lose weight when he took the role. Yeah, he but, was a fat old man of 58 when he retired and embarrassed the entire franchise. And Connery like, was asked to wear a toupee because by the fourth film that he was on, he was losing his hair. It was freaking gray in Diamonds Are Forever. He wore a rug in every one. I'll give you that. But he okay, so awesome. we got bald Bond versus, you know, guy that fat, might have to put up. A... old guy. Hey, how about this? Who can still in be charming? Single, Who can still be charming? Every Roger movie, he had a stunt double do every running sequence because the guy can't run. And he thought but that's himself okay. he looked awkward. That's okay. I will take all the awesome gadgets, the, the, the elevated spy genre, whether you like that style or not over an, an amazing fight scene that lasts two minutes. Bond isn't about fight scenes. It's not about fight scenes. It's about the cool mission, getting around the bad guys, and the chicks that are in there. And I'll take all the Bond girls in Roger Moore films against the ones in the Sean Connery films any day. All right. I and, don't know. And, and, I don't know about that. Gentlemen. You're cut off. Gentlemen, cut off. gentlemen. We're done. We're done. All right. I have to put an end to round one. As spirit as this debate is, oh. we, need to, we need to move on to round two. <laughs> For more, check out The Great Debate today on the Rob McCallum Films YouTube page. And now it's time for a taste of the Wine, Women, and Words podcast as Michelle and Diana interview Star Wars Stormtrooper Rachel Rosilli about the experience of putting on the Empire's white helmet. So I would go to these and I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm used to as a Star Wars fan girl being one of the only girls in the room for most things, right? But I didn't even think about it. And then going there and using all the tools and stuff and saying, hey, can I borrow your sander? And, you know, my, my Dremel cord is a little shorter. Can I use that extension cord and stuff? And everyone's like, oh, you don't need help with that? I am building Star Wars costumes. I think I got it. Thanks. <laughs> And that's another interesting thing is being a girl in the Star Wars universe to many outside of the fandom. It's kind of like, what? There's girls in this. There's girls who actually love it. Um, And then even further, going further with, um, you know, dressing up. That's like, people are like, what? A girl can be a stormtrooper. It's so weird. I love that though. We we've done a couple <laughs> events where the there will be little girls and they'll come over and be like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And they'll hear like through my mic, you know, that I'm a girl, and they run away screaming, "Oh my gosh, it's a girl! Look, I want to be a stormtrooper!" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I've just inspired them." <laughs> Since until I get my costume going, um, we have people, plain clothes people, following around the troopers. Um, if something goes wrong, they're like, "Um, help, help, help!" And you have to like snap something in or put something back in help them dress, make sure little kids don't kick them or that they don't trip over children. Yeah, uh, because you can't see and you can't really bend. Like, you can't lift your arms up enough to grab your own helmet and you can't bend over to touch your own shoe. So, you know, you need help. <laughs> yeah, when we did the foster uh, home um, yeah. last year, yeah, that was my event that I organized. Um, and I had to really, really stress with uh, the volunteers that we had 
that the characters cannot see, they can't look down, so they can't see below eye level. We're going to have five-year-olds here, so they can't see them, and they will trip over them. Just right. like the people who were, I was planning the event with, they're like, so how about we have them there while the movie's on and the lights are down? And I was like, no, no that won't work. I'm like, they will trip and they will fall on their face and they will hurt themselves or they will hurt one of your kids. Catch Wine, Women, and Words today on TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and Podcast.com. Right now, it's the guys from Inside Sports as Charles and Chris talk the NFL Hall of Fame and the Terrell Owens Dilemma. NFL football fans, it's that time again. Time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production, and well, this is our first show uh, after the fantastic Super Bowl comeback by the New England Patriots, Tom Brady becoming the first quarterback in NFL history to put on five Super Bowl rings. He finally got that one for the thumb. Epic meltdown, of course, by the Atlanta Falcons, but, uh, you know, that's been talked to death. We're going to get into what's happening now, like the uh, Hall of Fame. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Noticeably absent, his second year of eligibility, Terrell Owens, not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Mr. Lardieri, is this a problem for you? Look... I don't like T.O. I never liked him. I always thought he was a me-first player, a guy who threw his quarterbacks under the proverbial bus. That said, with the way some of the wide receivers have been getting in the Hall of Fame, if you're going to look at his statistics, they match up, if not exceed. So by the numbers, he's a Hall of Fame player. What irks me, because back in the day, guys like Lawrence Taylor, who I absolutely adored as a kid, this guy's a yeah. dirtbag in real life, got mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame. And now you're suddenly going to regulate how guys were to the media, their teammates, etc., uh, whether they get the merits of being in the Hall of Fame. And I don't quite get that. And, and frankly, this year's class, I, I know there were some guys borderline deserving to get in, but I don't feel it's, you look at this class as a whole, I don't feel it's as strong. So to leave T.O. out, too, also makes me a head scratcher, scratch my head. As far as I'm concerned, Tomlinson was a complete no-brainer. You look at some of these other guys, mm-hmm. Terrell Davis, yeah, short career. Well, by his logic, someday Eli Manning should get into the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls and put up good numbers over a long period of time, <laughs> even though, like, personally, even as a Giants fan, don't know if he deserves it. So yeah, He was man of the uh, year this year, though. Yeah, that you know, he he and Larry Fitzgerald will right. will deserve because they they've both been doing a lot of work in the community under the radar for years. So mm-hmm. yeah, back to T.O. I don't know. It makes her good fodder. The I, I still can't figure out how the NFL Hall of Fame process works. <laughs> I do know it takes a little bit longer than it does the time to elect the new pope, but there's no white smoke involved. That's Inside Sports, which you can watch on the Humanica Media channel on YouTube and Facebook. 
We'll be right back to close the show as we share our thoughts on Hollywood jumping onto the hype train just a bit too early. This is the PCC Multiverse. GameSource is your number one source for everything video games. Each week we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at GameSource and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news plus also about all the great things we're doing on our GameSource Facebook, Twitter, and GameSource YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world right here at GameSource. All right, and we're back with the final segment of the PCC Multiverse. We truly appreciate you listening out there. But we wanted to end the show with something that's bothered us for a couple of days now, as we've seen a little bit of a trend going on with as far as films that now seem to have to now announce their being in production. Now we've got all these cast photos where, okay, I'm part of it. The director says, oh, I'm part of this great crew. I'm so privileged, yada, yada, yada. I'm asking you, Josh, it's starting to bug me a little bit. Is it truly necessary to be going to this line to let everybody know? It's a marketing tool. It's as simple as that. Uh, Because of social media and the amount of people on social media, they just like to pop things up to show you like, hey, this is happening. It's the same thing with Twitter when the, uh, you know, the Disney guy said, hey, I watched Star Wars and he's just a total jerk about it. And you know, we're like, oh, cool. How does that, you know, you're, you're telling us this movie's good, but we don't get to watch it till December. Thank you for being useless to me. They, they, they just like to post things to, sh- to like say, hey, we're, th- this is happening. It's like, you, you know, there, there's some people who can't go an, an entire day without posting on Facebook or Twitter. They're like, if I don't say something, people are going to think I'm dead. So it's the same thing. Like, if we don't give them an update on this movie, they're going to think it's canceled. But to me, it's beginning to be like E3. When you announce games at E3, as we've seen for so many years now, and it's supposed to come out maybe next year or whatnot, year year after, and it doesn't even come close to that date. For instance, The Last Guardian. So you build all up all this anticipation, and then people just, by the time the movie comes out, like maybe the casual audience out there doesn't really want to care about the movie because they've already had all this hype and, and they've been already on that emotional train and they're, now they're coming down by the time it comes out and they're, they're not as excited to see anymore. Sometimes when you do these things too early, it just, just puts too much hype up front and the hype train seems to go off the rails by the time the movie comes out. Like the Predators movie, really? Did we need that? Really? <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, first of all, let me say that I, if I see another Justice League photo, another Justice League set photo... I, I'm just, I'm not even going to bother watching the movie because I'm so irked at like, hey, let me show you this set photo of them standing in a line. Hey, let me show you this set photo of them standing in a line, but this time with steam coming out of their butts. Like it, it really just, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It, it, there's no point to it. And this isn't just a trend that's happening in the film and game industry. It's, if you, you know how they were talking about colonizing Mars? Yes. Okay. So they had, there's like a Facebook page active that had like a, a video made that somebody was like trying to attract people to the Mars colonization project. And that was like months ago. And they, you know, that's not supposed to happen for like 10, 12 years. So it's, it's really like social media is like urging it. It's create created this need where people just, even if people don't like the fans don't want it, like these people that run the businesses just feel the need to just, we have to post something. It's like an obsessive compulsive disorder. 
Well, I can understand if you're doing something for Kickstarter or GoFundMe or something like that as far as some self-funded project where you need the money up front. So you give them a taste of something. Here's what I'm creating. What now? Please support it so I can go in and finish the project 10, 15,000 days from now. That I get because it's financially motivated and it, it's out of necessity. But with these other projects that are already fully funded or or they're being supported in some other fashion, it's not necessary to go ahead and start the hype train on it so soon because you know that's what the trailer should be about. The trailer, the initial trailer, like like for instance with Star Wars or Force Awakens, we didn't really know or really didn't care about when production started on the Force Awakens. We really just started caring as soon as that trailer, that first trailer hit the screens. That's when the hype train should begin. Beauty and the Beast, which I just read today, is now looking at tracking $120 million in its opening weekend here in the U.S. The first time you really got an inkling about that it's actually going to come to fruition is on that first trailer, which really just blew everybody away and got more views than anything out there in quite some time. If they were to release a cast photo of Han Solo every day until Han Solo came out, we'd be able to put like an entire photo album together. It would be larger than War and Peace. Yes. So what what is the point? It's not necessary. Like give us give us a video, like it, it, give us a set video. That that would be way more exciting. Well, I definitely agree with you on that. And if anybody out there has those same issues or wants to take opposition, you're always welcome to do so. Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmos on Twitter, or just send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise. We thank you for listening to the PCC Multiverse. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks for downloading this episode as a special bonus, which starts right now. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Super Bro Station, also known as Super BS. My name is Brian. Yeah, Brian. Cool. Brian also. God damn. Um, okay, anyways. <laughs> we are back to talk about some of the games we have played this week. So, Josh, what have you been playing, man? Hopefully something new. No Assassin's Creed anymore for you, right, man? Yeah, definitely not, because I just finished Assassin's Creed last night, so... Te- technically nothing. I've been I've been watching other people play For Honor, but I haven't done a lot of new game playing myself. What do you think about For Honor? Because I don't want to hear about Assassin's Creed. 
I like it. I like it. It's it's everything I thought that it would be. You, you know, they, they show you in the trailers you you can play Viking samurais, uh, medieval knights. It's everything that they show in the trailers. You're like, hey, that's what this game's going to be. It's exactly what it was. What are the Viking samurais like? Because I've heard of samurais and I've heard of Vikings, Viking but there's samurais. medieval knights. Yeah, they're, so. they're like... <laughs> <laughs> the Viking samurais. The Viking samurais, yeah. <laughs> They're like a mixture of the two, you know? Yeah, I guess. I like a mixture of the three. <laughs> medieval knight, viking, and samurai. Like maybe like a viking, a mi- like, proved himself in battle, but ultimately lost, so he was taken in by British knights, and then he trained in a dual style of knights and vikings, and then on a mission he was shipwrecked in Japan, <laughs> a la Tom Cruise style, became Last a samurai. Right. So now he's got this tri- Hybrid, tri-hybrid style of fighting. New word. Um, of course, we're gonna have TM, to uh, we're gonna have to blank all this out so Ridley Scott doesn't steal our idea for a movie. Right. The tri-hybrid. I don't know, but yeah, some type of crazy fighting style with both. That'd be awesome. And that's a uh, new idea for For Honor 2. <laughs> Get rid of all of your separate. Uh, this just reminds me. Did you guys ever play Viking? Uh, you know, Malin Asgard from Sega? I've seen it. I I played through it. How was it? It's actually kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you can like, it's funny because a lot of AAA games, like, they have so much, they're so dense, and I almost dislike it. Like, we've talked about a bunch, like, I'm playing Dragon Age Inquisition, and it's really awesome. I wish there was 30% less. Yeah. Because it's like... I don't want that much. Like, I don't need to be convinced that like this is a sixty dollars experience because there's of how many hours I can get out of it. Like, I like the world. I like the characters. I like the story. I will be happy. But so Viking is actually kind of an interesting game because I remember I had like a kick that started maybe like five years ago. I think that's when I played it. Four. Where I was like, where you were going through all your. Yeah, when I was just like, man, I need to just beat more games. So like. It, I, I had it free for, or for like one Xbox sale where it was like a dollar, and I played through it. I forget how long it took me, not that long, but it had like a good combat system, good progression system. It, it sort of felt like Fable, um, but not as, not as like dramatic or anything like that. Just kind of like a, like slightly less stuff to do action adventure RPG, and it was kind of nice. The important question is, since you compared it to Fable, was there banging? There was not. Okay. Well, yeah, it was a more a, guided experience. It's a game I can't play. Then. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Not interested. I only play video games with banging. <laughs> kind, of like, uh, kind of like Kingdoms of Amalur. No banging. Oh, either. Yeah. Oh. Kingdoms of Amalur was awesome. Though. It was That's, awesome. I, I didn't even get it. I only got to play the demo, and I bought it, and then it's still not backwards compatible, so I don't have a 360 anymore, so I'm just waiting for it. So I can that game it. was basically Fable 2.0. Yeah, and it was, well, it was Fable 3, where Fable 3, I know you guys liked it, I did not like Fable 3. I, I got Fable through, 3. like, to the second, I, I didn't even get to the second was... half where you become king, I just got oh, man, Fable 3 is great. Okay. You liked it too? I liked it. I liked Fable 2 a lot. <laughs> I thought Fable 2 was great, I loved Fable 1, Fable 1 to me was like, oh it's man. It's actually just called Fable. It's called Fable 1. They rebranded it. There's not a 1 in front of it. And we're not going to think less of you because you don't like Fable 3. So uh, We're going to think more of me, actually. Okay, Eric, enough of this uh, For Honor tidbit, unless you guys have to say. What do you, uh, That's Brian, you play? By the way. Oh, Brian, sorry. Um, I'm Eric. <laughs> no, it's not Eric. You're just Brian. Um, the Brian Show. <laughs> I'm uh, still playing Inquisition. I'm still enjoying it. Um, there's still a lot to do. 
So sometimes I think I got sick of it last week where I was like, okay, I did so much so stuff and then it's like, there's still so much to do. It would be nice if, yeah, there was less. Yeah. It was just less. But either way, it's still rad. Um, I also um, downloaded and did like the first tutorial mission for Fire Emblem Heroes. And then I started reading articles about all of the end game of like randomly getting characters and like all, and I'm like, I looked at the menu, like I got to the menu where it's like, here's your orbs to do this and here's yeah. your daily points and here's your other points and here's this stuff and like, I just deleted it. I'm like, nope. <laughs> it's really disappointing because it's actually a fun game, but they hide it behind all of this just garbage that's like, oh, here's a really cool game. But let's not do it. It reminds me of a, a less good version of, there was an old iPad game you used to play uh, by the guys who did Miss Walker Studios. Oh yeah, terrible. Yeah, it yeah, kind so, of I reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah, um, but that has so much less Yeah, it has junk. less junk. Uh, but like, I love the Fire Emblem combat system. If they would have just made that, sold it for five bucks, let me have like five or six guys on the screen and make it a normal adventure maybe, I would have loved it. But. This system where you have to like do the quest to get the orbs to do this to do that to do this. And then it's like, all random. At yeah, the end I of the don't day. want yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't have a, any strong desire to ever experience that. It's a disappointment because, well, Terra Battle is a different story, which is awesome. But it's also a disappointment because they just put out Super Mario Run, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, Still gotta play it. It's rad. Super Mario I, Run's pretty cool. There's Super Mario Run lost, is, but is everything I've ever wanted in a phone game because. I don't want. I don't want phone games. Yeah, I hate phone games. I will never like phone games. So Super Mario Run somehow made me very entertained. Yeah. Because it all at some point a phone game always feels like a phone game. And you're like, okay, this is just a cop out for a real game because it's on a phone. Yeah. So the only <clears throat> this is true. Like you have to have patience to sit there and play a phone game because otherwise, why don't you just turn on your Xbox or your yeah, PlayStation? Yeah, like... Or when you're on the bathroom, why just read articles or watch a YouTube video or something? Yeah. Like, you have Super to... Super Mario Run was, was very cool. Yeah. And I, I, I love Terra Battle, it's an amazing game to me. It's That's a game that I think uh, his philosophy in making that, Miss Walker and uh, Sakaguchi-san... Sakaguchi-san. Um, I know that he... I think there was a similar philosophy to Super Mario Run where it was like, let's make a game that can, that utilizes like what a handheld is, not try and make a crappy version of a non-mobile game. Yeah. And he did the same thing where he made a game that can only really be played on the phone with a touch screen. It's like, that's how it works. And so it's less noticeable that you're playing. Plus it's got a weird, weird world and cool story and... Yeah, awesome music, so. I'm always frustrated because I wish I liked phone games more. Like, I downloaded this game called Hidden Folks, which is essentially a, a very interactive Where's Waldo. Yeah. It's really cool, but I don't want to play it because it's on my phone. It does look like if I was a kid sitting in front of an old computer screen, like, I'd play it all day. Yeah. But because it's on the phone and I just have this apprehension towards, like, I want to do something else, like, read about something or watch a video, like, I, have, I don't want to play it. I have a theory that that I just came up with that, um, <laughs> brand new theory, brand new theory. <laughs> um, that Apple is like involved in some like high level occultic conspiracy to just eliminate video games from existence because they have watered down the market with their apps and their app store. And there's so much money being poured into it, but they all suck. 
Like, well, there's some good games, well, but they're yeah, just but hard here's, to get here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. We're gonna we're gonna spend. It's gonna be years and years and years before there's a phone game that's like amazing that comes out. I mean, there's a couple that are all right, but by the time it happens, everyone's just gonna be over video games because yeah. all the good console games will be run out of business. Same with the handhelds. It's all just gonna be phones, and then they'll be like, "Look, we finally made a great like artistic forward." Like not cheap feeling game experience on this phone, and then it'll be like, yeah, cool, and then they just don't play it because they're not interested. <laughs> yeah, well, too, even like the the games that they do have, like Square Square Enix has some all games, of their RPGs, all their RPGs on the iPhone, but they char- the in the marketplace they charge you like sixteen to eighteen dollars to yeah. play them, and I don't well, understand. Like, and they also have like the weird reskin graphics that yeah, suck. suck. Yeah. Um, and you have to play with phone yeah. controls, which is the worst. Yeah. I think I'd be way more into it, like as an iPad owner, if the controllers they sold for it were cheaper. Because yeah. if they had that and every game had controller support, man, I'd buy. They have Jade Empire. They have Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. They have Final Fantasies one through nine on. Yeah, the phone but they're like the inferior. I don't think nine's on the phone. Nine, nine, nine is. Nine is. Yeah, but they don't. Yeah. They don't have eight. They skip. They, eight, and, they, but... and for some of those, like seven, eight, nine, they actually load faster. They added all this stuff. Like they are great games, but I don't want to play them with like digital joysticks and all they, of the terrible. And they have like Final Fantasy. You can buy them in a pack. You buy one through six, and they charge you. It's almost eighty dollars for all of them put together. But you can go to like. Games. No, I don't know about GameStop. But you can go online. You can download these games. Or you can buy them on eBay for you know two dollars. Yeah, and, and like in, in the better versions too. Yeah, the, because those reskinned iPhone versions are awful. Looking. Yeah, and like the like it just the like sounds are different. They like use like a different sound engine, so it doesn't have any nostalgia to it. It's like you know. It just feels weird. It, it does, and as much as I would love to play like Final Fantasy IX on my phone because I I legitimately like that game. Yeah, it's great. I don't want to pay twenty dollars because that that's what I paid for it when I bought it originally on the PlayStation. Well, Super BS has officially changed our name to We Hate Games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, back to more positive stuff. I also played the Four Honor beta, which was cool. Again, it's an interesting game. It is a fighting game. What class did you play as? Uh, I mainly played as the samurai people. Okay. Um, th- what we didn't really talk about when we were making fun of Josh at the beginning um, is <laughs> that the game is really a fighting game. It has tons of combos, tons of moves. It looks really cool, um, but like all fighting games, it has a really low skill floor that I don't care to learn, and has a really, really high skill ceiling. So like, I'm somebody who's like, oh, let me just play, and somebody kills me instantly. I did that three times, and I realized, yeah, it's cool to watch. I don't ever want to play this game, though. Do you know what gets me with that game? The one thing I don't like, and I know that other people do like it. It's how the game gets him, by it's the way. The, it's, like, the, like it. it's the combos, because I can't remember all of them. When I'm fighting, I'm not going to remember to press XXBY, trigger. Like, I, I don't... I, I don't... That's, I don't do fighting games, so like this, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I think that's probably its strength. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a cool looking game. Like yeah. I've watched, um, okay, I've watched I've a lot played, of games about it. You know, I've played games that look similar, like Dynasty Warriors and those kind of things, yeah. and they're that that aren't very combo heavy. They're very hollow feeling at yeah. some point. They're really cool at first because you just feel like powerful. Yeah. And then they get really old. Well, so yeah. for, for Honor, it looks like it could have like a big, long tail to it where people could really love it because it has leveling and uh, equipments and all those things that drop every time mm-hmm. you play. And there's uh, four classes for each faction. However, I'm a little bit concerned that because it's so difficult, 
there's not going to be that many people who actually buy it or play it because it's not like first-person shooter where hey, you play Halo, you play Call of Duty, you know how to play them. This is like a brand new style of fighting game. It's almost like, did you guys ever play Power Stone back on the uh, original Dreamcast, like a 3D no, no. environment? It's like a 3D environment style of fighting game, but What's it's... What's Dreamcast? What's, okay, I'm, uh, I'm about to leave this right now. A Gamecast. It's now Gamecast. But on to other things, I was also playing uh, Mass Effect 3, because I've never beaten it, and I want to finish it before Andromeda. I'm doing some of the Omega DLC, which is pretty tight. I don't know if you guys played that game or any of the DLC. Probably haven't yeah, played all the losers and yeah. you don't know anything about good games. I played Mass Effect 3 no. to the bone like that's when it came out. He did. Uh, I did play it because like a smart person uh, didn't allow me to have my face because I had the first face support for Mass Effect 1 and it didn't have that so I had to wait for the patch. I never played it again. So I'm uh, doing that and then I'm also running around uh, the streets of San Francisco doing some uh, totally cool Hacksaw stuff with my fun friends who have face masks that show emotes and uh, drink Rockstar and Red Bull um, and Watch Dogs too. When you're running around the streets <laughs> with your controller, do you go, parkour, parkour? When you're I'm, yeah, I'm running around the streets of San Francisco with the controller because I'm an yeah. idiot, yeah. Uh, Josh. No, I'm running around virtually <laughs> in the streets of uh, San Francisco or San Chrome. They should have called it like something dumb, like San Tokyo or whatever. Is in, Did you guys watch Big Hero 6? No. Big Hero 6 is yes. amazing. That's a really good movie. Um, but anyways, about Watch Dogs 2, great game. We talked about it last week, though. However, they just patched it with some cool stuff, which is going to bring us to a little bit of our news. Um, they patched Watch Dogs 2 with a new ending that supposedly gives a little bit of a hint where Watch Dogs 3 will take place. Do you guys know where that is? Um, right after Final Fantasy XV. Right after Final It takes place in, uh, what's the world Final Fantasy They're patching, <laughs> patching the ending. They're patching the ending. I don't and, know what the world is called. Yeah, I don't know either. That's, Final uh... Final Fantasy? Fifteen. Yeah. Like, the, the name of the planet. Oh, I don't. Do I they, actually... Do they, do they tell you? Sometimes. In Nine, it's called Gaia. Yeah. Oh, Earth. Um, well, anyways, that's where Watch Dogs 3 take play, takes place. Um, or nope. maybe it's not called Gaia. I could be wrong about that. I think it is. Uh, I think it, in the movie it was called Gaia. Yeah. Um, Are you talking about Spirits Within or Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> <Spirits> <laughs> within, the, the only the movie, movie that counts. Uh, <laughs> the best one. Hey, that's I'll, an underrated movie. I will never forget him like holding his hands out when the snow or whatever falls from the sky and saying, it's warm. And then that's how the movie ends or something like that. <laughs> I, need, I need to rewatch that movie. Yeah, it is. I will rewatch it as well. Hey, it it's got a... Thumbs up from that famous film critic. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, or yeah. I mean, oh, re- hey, it Robert was and it was entertaining. I like yeah. people didn't like it. I feel like because they don't understand Final Fantasy. Yeah, uh, I like, need to rewatch it. I wanted Knights though. I didn't want futuristic Final Fantasy. I wanted like this was before they had. Oh, actually, no. No, it was because Final Fantasy Nine. It was Final Fantasy Nine, and then Spirits Within. I think Spirits Within fell before Ten, right? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was Final Fantasy Spirits Within, and then Final Fantasy Ten. So I was thinking. Or you know what? Maybe Final Fantasy Spirits Within was even before Nine. I feel like I maybe saw a trailer for Nine when I saw the trailer for Spirits yeah. Within. They're not good with standalone stories, so you give them, hey, there's an hour and a half movie, make it so it doesn't tie into anything else. Just let's just slap Final Fantasy on there. It's not. They're not good at that. Kingsclave was Kingsclave was good because people were interested because it's feeding into yeah. the next Final Fantasy that we. Yeah, but the the guy that created Final Fantasy had a lot of. Lot, like Spirits Within was his baby. Yeah. And so, Sakaguchi? Yeah. Oh, really? I yeah, that's why he ended up leaving. Oh, okay. Well, he ended up leaving, I think, because they. I, I, I don't know. He, I think there was like. 
issues with like Square once they merged with Enix where they sucked. And then I think there was also issues with Sony because they suck. Yeah. So like I think that's why he ended up on Xbox with the his Miss first Walker, Miss which games. had some of the best RPGs yeah, like amazing. last generation. Um, um Yeah, it's uh That was like that was like that rough time. It was the same with like with twelve where they they made that guy rewrite twelve so many times he got sick and then they had to change the end of the game. <laughs> I just imagine them like chaining him into a room and like locking door and saying, You have to rewrite this till we like it. Yeah. And never like him. Be like the Kingdom Hearts guy. <laughs> Let's just uh, change some dialogue here. And add uh, some more belts. Add some. <laughs> well, no, because 12 was supposed to be, originally, I believe 12 was supposed to be about Bosch, who's like a 36 year old felon. Yeah, the way cooler. Which is rad. And then, and then they were like, oh, this is not, not going to appeal enough to like Japanese boys. And then, so, then he's like, okay, well, how about, about this like 28 year old pirate, Balthier? Yeah. And they're like, and then he, I think he did it again that way. And they're like, no. And then, like, okay, well, how about this kid that kind of looks like Aladdin? And then I think that's like what they, that's why he feels so out of place in the story sometimes. Yeah. I love the abs on his 3D model because they're so silly looking. But I remember, I, I, I remember something where the guy, I think it's Matsuno, the guy that invented tactics and stuff yeah. and created that world. Um, that that's was, an easy yeah. one to remember. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, was, I think, uh, I think he was like, went to like, went into the hospital because of how much they reworked, made him rework 12. Speaking of that, that game comes out again this year. The Zodiac. Hey. I, 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 ne I never played it all the way through. I played it about halfway. Really? It's a I great game. It. It's a great it's game. It's a long, long game. The ending is a little game. disappointing in my opinion, but it's still a great game. It's it's a lot of fun. Does any Final Fantasy really have like a great ending, though? I liked 15's ending a lot. I actually think that ending is really, really cool. Confusing. And it is very confusing, it is confusing. But like, I still left it, even though I was confused, like, enjoying it. Yeah. And like, being, wow, Final okay, Fantasy, cool. Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 is debatable. 8, I think, has a great ending. 9 has a great ending. 10 has a great ending. Ten two has the best ending. Ten two has a <laughs> has a weird ending, but ten two is fine. Um, They're still talking about ten three further down the yeah, line. I don't. Like, well, because originally ten two was supposed to be like I heard that ten three was supposed to be a game about Riku. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But either way, um, yeah, because because not. I mean, I think most of the Final Fantasy have pretty great endings. Yeah. Twelve. Twelve just has. 12 just has like a flat last half, like last third of the game. Cause there's that, that's the point of the game where they, the director like almost died and they switched directors or something like that. I don't know exactly how that all played out, but I, I've read tons of different versions of it. And you can tell it's like, it's, it's not quite as dramatic as the way 15 shifts into like linear mode, but it's like, the story starts to like the epic pacing of it all starts yeah, to fall they apart. They all have a that bit. moment where you're like, you want to. The first half of the game, like, okay, I'm training my guys, raising them up, doing whatever, and then it hits that point where you're like, okay, I don't want to train anymore. I want to know what happens next. So, yeah. Well, but, speaking of epic pacing. Yeah, I think I think most Final Fantasy end pretty good. Seven is debatable, but I only I actually think seven ends really well. I think it was debatable when I was twelve because this kid kept trying to convince me that everyone died, and I was like, I don't think so. Mm. Um, he obviously I showed him. Yeah, he obviously didn't play Dirge of Cerebrus. So. Yeah, but uh, I played that. But Age of Cerebus, isn't it? Cere I remember when I remember when nine, uh, when nine, when I beat nine when I was thirteen and nine. While four is probably my favorite, I was the most excited about nine, probably for any game I was ever excited for in my life because it was thirteen games or twelve actually. 
it was at that time period when like games were just like the biggest thing in your life. Yeah. I remember I when I reserved it, I like bought the soundtrack release, the, the like the little compilation soundtrack that they wow. that they had. So I listened to the music like a million times before the game came out. I got it for Christmas. It came out right before Christmas, I think. And I would like I remember staying home, like faking sick to stay home and look at the player's guide my mom got me for Christmas <laughs> once. So like I, I like I was pretty hyped up out of my mind for nine. Yeah. I remember when I beat it, I like had this distinct feeling of like I I can't play video games for a little bit. Yeah. I just like need to like soak in that. <laughs> yeah, and ten ten was actually the same way. Ten has a much sadder ending, but um, when you play, I think a big game that has a lot of heft and a really good story, you feel that. Like yeah. I noticed that even after fifteen, like, yeah, I had to take a break for 15, like yeah. a week. I just like I don't really was, play was I the only one during fifteen though? When you're traveling in the car and you have the old soundtracks playing, yeah, like, it was awesome. I just was like back in time. I was a thirteen year old kid again, just sitting I there playing. I still couldn't believe they left off. Uh, what was it? There's like a Final Fantasy six song. No, no, Final Fantasy X, Back to Xanarkin. They uh, left that song off hmm. of like the the hits. Like I was listening to Bart. See, I get I don't get nostalgia to going to be ten because I I physically own every Final Fantasy soundtrack and I listen to them regularly. So I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, this reminds me of last week yeah. when I was driving, <laughs> yeah. listening to the Final Fantasy music in my car. February first. Speaking PCH. of uh, listening to music in your cars, back to Watch Dogs too. Um, the ending, <laughs> the ending uh, hints that the game, the third game, will take place in London. So I'm glad they're making a, a third one. Uh, two has been a blast. It's pretty much one of the best like collect them all games I've ever played, where they just have so many things you're collecting and use little drones to go around the city and collect things. So I'm, I'm happy they're going to give it another shot because I know that Watch Dogs Two did not do well. Um, I don't know if you guys have played it, but they actually have. The first four hours for free to anyone now like they don't do that for games very often but you just download it and not only that it's the whole game's done in co-op too which is not a very common thing either so like well not the whole game not the story missions but have they announced whether or not Watch Dogs 3 will merge into Assassin's Creed 5. That's what I want them to do. I just want them to make Ubisoft <clears throat> that the game. That is so cool just... that they exist in the same universe, though. Like, I'm not going to play yeah. Watch Dogs 2, but... Oh, they do exist in the same like universe? The I think Sturgo's actually, actually joking. joking. Yeah. But they should, they should just make, like, a better version of Watch Dogs Assassin's Creed mix, where you're actually, like, an assassin who can take place in the world of Watch Dogs, you know? Well, if you played Black Flag... Yeah, uh, they actually hint at Mister or Bloom Industries. Oh, Bloom! Yeah, yeah, that's the bad guys. When you're hacking all the systems, they talk about Bloom Industries. Well, speaking of Bloom, we Bloomin need to take a uh, five minute break before we come back for the news. And that was a really good pun. <laughs> right? Hey, that was for Brian's joke. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Okay, back to the news. That's a trademark song I just came up with for the news. Um, 
Hey, so there's not been a whole lot of news since we met last, but uh, there was something that came out today. I know your guys' favorite PlayStation 1 game. We've been talking about it nonstop since we began. Crash Bandicoot, the trilogy, insane Cortex Complex trilogy, is coming out June 30th, 2017. PS4 only, $40, best day of our life, June 30th, 2017. Are you guys excited or just like beyond belief? I know that we've been talking about this as a Crash Bandicoot uh, fan cast. See, so this is this is my thing. You know how I've been talking about Assassin's Creed. Yes. No. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I like the idea of buying Assassin's Creed and playing it again. And then I remembered how much I hated it. So I don't want to taint my memory of Crash Bandicoot by going out and buying a remake and then not liking it. Did you actually have a great memory of those games though? Like, I, I played them after I, Super Mario 64, so like, it, hey, I enjoyed them, but it's like, Super Mario 64? I never owned a Nintendo 64, okay? That what? part of my childhood just feels like it's ripped for me because my parents bought me a PlayStation for Christmas instead of Nintendo. Like parents made a and mistake. I just remember for hours playing Crash Team Racing instead of Mario Kart. Like, I got the Walmart version of Mario Kart. I'm uh, sorry. I have decent memories of playing Crash Bandicoot. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's, it's an okay game. Did you play it? Or? Yeah, I played it. It's alright. Um, I would be... I would buy a PlayStation 4 if they did a remaster of Croc. Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> 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 when was the last time oh, that game yeah. was... Or Gex? Or no, no. Just, let's just talk about Croc for a second. I actually remember playing that game, and just for some reason, it looked cool to me when I was a kid. And yeah, I, was I actually like, liked it when I played like, the demo, but yeah, it reminds me of that like that era because on PlayStation and N sixty four, like there's like an island of misfit toys somewhere, just like <laughs> not like unsuccessfully launched platforming characters like Chameleon Twist. Oh, that's great. And uh, what's the what's the other one on N sixty four? Glover. But there's yeah. another one. There's it's also like similar space to Chameleon circus. Twist, but it's um, not Chameleon Twist. There's Space Circus, which is like you're that one's supposed to be really good. You're like a weird clown in an orange jumpsuit who does platforming. <laughs> there's like Croc, there's Gex, there's Spyro, there's uh, Chameleon Twist, there's Oh man. What? There's not no, you're not talking about Banjo, right? You're not talking about the good ones. No. no. Oh, okay, you're talking about like the yeah, Chameleon the Twist characters. was an awesome game. Chameleon Twist was an awesome game, but it's still like the B it was back I think Chameleon Twist was Acclaim. Do you guys remember Acclaim, the company? Yeah. They made like NBA Jam and stuff. They're no longer in business. I think they became Activision or, or bought out or they closed down or, or something. So they claim to be. Yeah, so Crash. I remember my brother had a PlayStation, but I was mostly interested in playing Final Fantasy VII, Mega Man 8, and Croc. So, so Croc is Croc, Croc, Croc is a not a game. better it was, game. It was fun. I like yeah. But it has there's like something alluring about it because and Nintendo is really good with this because their brands have their own like they have appeal and nostalgia wrapped into themselves, but like the brands that started on Sony, like Crash and like Spyro, they feel like really hoard out. Like when I think Spyro, I just think Oh, this is something that I see like a bunch of toys for at Target. Skyline, yeah. yeah. So it's like the same with Crash. It's like I've seen Crash on everything now. I feel like so they just kind of like feel like, like you know, like really like shelled out, like sold out mascots. 
And so they don't, they don't like raise up anything in me other than like mass marketing. But Nintendo being very reserved in with a lot of their stuff to their detriment and to yeah. their benefit, it still feels their their brand still feels like unspoiled in certain ways. They didn't, yeah. They definitely didn't like. Hey, this did well. Let's make yeah. five million copies. Like the fact that I could, the thing. fact that when I was a well, kid that I couldn't amiibos. go to like. Now, okay, whatever, and now that's amiibos. like amiibos, just like a weird toy thing. It's not even like a game. They I, still don't make like well, yeah, amiibos. Besides Pokemon, and, they don't do a lot of cross genre games outside of like them. And, and when Mario they do Mario Olympics, stuff, yeah. all of the Mario stuff's pretty good. Besides Mario Olympics, that's made by Sega, but like Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, like those. At least the original ones were like some of the best games ever. I know the recent ones weren't that great, but like the first Mario Party was a ton of fun. The first uh, Mario Tennis and the first Mario Golf and the first. All of those Super games were great. Smash Brothers, I remember but that game came There's out. something unique about, I mean, and just how crazy, ridiculous the Mushroom Kingdom is. That it's just <laughs> that it's, like, I, yeah, that's kind of an issue. Go that's like an issue when I think of Crash and, like, nothing, this is like... It's just an island, which is... It's like, <laughs> like kind of Banjo-Kazooie-like with the, like, island feel. Yeah. And then... I, 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 I get what you're saying, because, like, Crash... Like, especially with Spyro, you mentioned Spyro, and I have kids come up to me and say, Hey, have you, ever played, yeah, have you ever played Spyro the Dragon? I'm like, yeah, I was playing Spyro when you were still a sperm. And it's like, uh, that part of that. my childhood is like being taken over by corporates and like new kids who don't know anything about Are you talking about and, the best game of last year, Imaginators? Yeah, yeah. Spyro. So I, so I, I, I get why. Yeah, it, all, yeah. it all feels like a, like a Disney Channel or Nickelodeon commercial now. Yeah. So it's like that, like I don't like the like mixing of like the film and TV media and game media because yeah. it felt... Oh yeah, yeah, they have that on Netflix, like, don't they now? Spyro yes. something, the Imagine. Yes. Skylanders, that's Skylanders, what they're called. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I like Crash Bandicoot. I think at forty bucks, I'm gonna wait till it's like twenty. I mean they were great games, the the remasters look cool, but are they gonna hold up uh twenty twenty or what? It's probably about twenty two years since the original yeah. one launched. And like, think about like it too. When, when's the release date scheduled for it? Uh June thirtieth. Okay, so you you're gonna have you know, people are probably still going to be playing Mass Effect, especially like yeah. if there's new games coming out. Oh wow, there's so many games coming out. Yeah, you're going to want this to play. Silly. You're not going to take the time to go back and play Crash Bandicoot. But you know what? I mean, but I would take the time to play Croc. And that's <laughs> something. Croc and Chocobo Racing. Chocobo, Chocobo Racing was great. And Chocobo, Chocobo, Chocobo was awesome. I never played, but Chocobo Dungeon was Did, also like almost the Chocobo game. Do you guys remember a game called It's like Urgeis? Urgeis, yeah. I, I own all these. Games. I love that game, and I've spent so long. I've spent so long like in the depths of eBay looking for that game, and I just cannot find it anywhere. That's a hard one. I loved it. I have it and the player's guide for it. Really? That's that reminds me of like. That game always, I don't know why, it's just probably because they're both owned by Squaresoft or now Square Enix, but that reminds me so much of Bouncer, which yeah. I really enjoyed at the time. Bouncer's I was cool. I need to go back and play that game, but since there's no Dude, way to do that. Yeah, Early Guys was like the era, like right after Final Fantasy VII, when like the demo for Final Fantasy VIII was the coolest thing. Yeah. Because I remember that Demos, came out, that came out kind of close to Legend of Legaia. Yeah. I, bought, I had to choose between 
that or Legend of Lagaya, and I chose Legend of Lagaya. I don't even think I know. Really, I know oh, really? the game, but Seems I don't really cool know anything yeah, it's, about. It's a fun game. If you told me about Legend of Mana, then I yeah, think, I chose Legend I think of Mana. I, across I think all those my, <laughs> when I almost got Legend of Lagaya, I got Tales of Destiny instead, oh, okay. which was actually a rad game. Well, as everybody knows from previous uh, <laughs> casts, we love much Tales. Tales. Yeah, yeah, we love Tales. Tales. This is a pro Tales cast. But Tales of Destiny is great because it just basically feels like Star Ocean. But Eric, I got a question. If you could get Croc on your Nintendo Switch, would you? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we still don't know if that's possible because they still haven't told us if they're going to have virtual console, and it's unlikely that they'll have virtual console with PlayStation 1 games. Yeah. But, <laughs> but even without PlayStation 1 games, there is rumor that there's going to be GameCube games, which could be cool. I heard that. Yeah. Um, let, me, let me ask you guys this. Do you think that Sony and Xbox should be afraid of the Switch? I had this conversation with someone... Because the Nintendo Switch, they're kind of Sony and X, Microsoft are already releasing their net, like the higher definition versions of consoles. Yeah, the, Some people even say next gen. Yeah, um, the not PS4 the PS4 Pro, Pro the but Xbox the Scorpio. Scorpio like, it might be next gen. And like, like the uh, Nintendo Switch is already so far behind them yeah. with like as far as graphic output. You know, they didn't have. Well, a I don't think Sony's afraid of anyone. Yeah. They're like the Hillary Clinton of yeah. gaming. Yeah. Like they can do. They will announce nothing new, yeah. nothing interesting, and, everybody loves and them. everyone will do very yeah. intimate favors for them just for existing. They have seventy-five percent of the consoles sold, so they've sold fifty-five million, while Xbox One is at like twenty-five. Like that's crazy. They have and, to add up to this point. They've only had like. Two good exclusives, mm -hmm. and, and they're 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 so uninterested in like pushing the yeah. boundaries at all. They're just like, like I like I still am really bitter about Vita, and I'm yeah. really bitter about PlayStation Three because yeah. I remember were, I remember I was a diehard PlayStation fan until they announced PlayStation Three for six hundred dollars. The the coupling of that with the like becoming lame of Japanese RPGs is like I think I'm gonna get an Xbox and play Elder Scrolls. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Vita, like, restored my hope a little bit, because I, I own a PlayStation 3, I finally got one, and it's like, I hate it. I hate yeah, it so it's the UI is yeah. really, really bad, um, the X but, and B. But that's the thing, though, are. that's the thing that, that bothers me, is that the Vita is so great. Yeah, and they just let it die. Um, I, I'm hoping the Nintendo Switch will, uh, but I was gonna say, yeah, Vita. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that... Microsoft and Nintendo should just merge brands. I wish they would have. And there was uh, there was a talk a long time ago before the original Xbox that Microsoft was going to buy Sega, which would have been really cool. Because yeah. then they would have had their foothold in Japan, whereas right now, like Sega is just a big third Sega party. Is a weird story because yeah, I mean, they, they don't have been clinging to like Nintendo, Nintendo for so long, and just keeping themselves alive. They actually uh, went and sold off the film rights to all the old games that we played as kids. Mm -hmm. Sonic? Everybody wants a Sonic, Sonic movie. They're going to make a Sonic and a Streets of Rage movie. As long as he's kissing Vector little women, Man, I'm like, okay with it. It's, <laughs> they're, they, they're, I think they're trying to make a comeback and they're on the cusp of it, but it's just not happening. But I don't, Shining Force I don't think anybody us. needs to worry about the Nintendo Switch because similar to the Wii, where the Wii sold $100 million, that didn't affect the 360 or the PS3 at all. They both sold really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. like, they're not, it's a totally different thing. It's like, yeah, do you do, does your iPhone affect, like, how many Xbox Ones and PS4s you buy? You know, like, it's that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, people aren't going <laughs> to buy any more Xbox Ones or PS4s. They bought an iPhone, so I guess it does all the same things. 
I mean, some people think that. Those are the people who bought the Wii. <laughs> like, they bought a Wii and they're like, I got an iPhone now. What do I need for a Wii U? What is a Wii yeah, U? Yeah, that's, that's a big deal because Nintendo struck gold with that, whatever that, what's the name of that philosophy? Like, something... Uh, casual something? No, it was like, has something to do with the ocean. Like, and fish, no, blue fish or something. It was like a philosophy of like going after like a completely different market that they did with the Wii or something like that. Either way, that yeah. market's gone because the phones are out now. Yeah. Like the casual market that like saw Wii bowling on a commercial and was like, oh my gosh. And two, like the whole fit, like moving, the whole fitness thing that Nintendo is going after, mm. people don't want it anymore because no. they've got their Fitbits, their fitness apps, they've got... Just go outside well, and, 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 yeah. and, and I'm sure, like, I don't, I don't know of any... Body transformation success stories that came out of Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, you haven't read because, all those because, we, uh, we fit I mean, stories. Yeah. All the Fitbits and things like that are also useless for the most part. Like they're not they're fit moving like stuff that makes people move happens in phases. Yeah. yeah. Like if you notice, Pokemon Go did more for people's health than any other video game or really any other like workout program that's ever been. And it was out. still a crappy game. And it's still a crappy <laughs> game. So, but now people are over it. So it happens yeah. in like fads. Yeah. But the thing that I'm ready I'm, for Pokemon CrossFit. Yeah, Pokemon CrossFit. <laughs> when all the Pokemon do CrossFit with you, the thing I'm actually concerned with with the Nintendo Switch is the fact that we're two weeks away from the console launch. Uh, two weeks away from tomorrow when the console will launch on Friday, March third. We still don't know if they're going to let all the people who kept buying their virtual console games get those games for free, or if it will have a virtual console. If those games will exist, all we have is rumors. Yeah, they really, they really got to do something about that because it. It harnesses so much bad will with with gamers. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, they they have to like play to gamers at some point. I know that they're like all their all their corporate overlords are like anti gaming people yeah. that just happen to own stock in a successful company. We hate games, the, so let's buy a game. The, when they release their, <laughs> when they release their boardroom meeting questions and like the the old Japanese dudes answer like. Uh, question: I think video games are stupid. How are they going to make me more money? <laughs> like, it's the same thing with uh, yeah. It's the same thing with Warner Brothers and their, their DC mind. properties. They're like, we hate comic books, but we're going to keep making crappy movies because they make us money. So, I yes. Yeah. So they need to do something to like they if they could just come out. They need to get their virtual console act together because yeah, that's what people because want. I don't like. I'm not going to buy any virtual console games because like, if I don't know that this is the last time I have to buy them. Yeah, it's crazy, dude. The idea of like, oh, hey, I spent 10 bucks on a Wii and then I need to buy the game And on top of that, they didn't, like, not even very many came out. That's, yeah. That's the other they, problem. They drip feed. They, it was like a drip feed. So, like, I think 2006 was when the Wii came out and by 2008 or 9 was when you could get Final Fantasy VI. It was like they should. What? So you have your account with Nintendo. They should be able to see what you purchased and uh, give you those games. They didn't have a Nintendo account previously. No, really? That's yeah, new. that was on the really? Wii. They added to the Wii U. So I actually looked at my oh, Nintendo account, no. and I only have like half of the games I bought on Wii are actually in my sync, Nintendo. I think you can post like retro sync your. You can, but I sold my Wii U. Because that's how after. they know. That's how they know on Wii U to give you a discount on. Wii games, I'm, virtual console. I'm just gonna call the customer service line and bother them when it comes out. If, if this way, is a thing, yeah, a unified account system would be amazing. Yeah, and that's what they supposedly have now, but we'll see if it actually transfers over to the. But Wii it just seems so. Switch. It seems like it's baffling to me. Yeah, how easy it would be to just like look at Microsoft, who has a better account system, or Sony, who has a working one. Yeah, now, at least exists, and just like copy paste. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I just, they live in like a strange bubble, which is cool because their games are always interesting, but like, it's a weird bubble where like their online service is supposed to cost $24, but it's all tied to your phone. Um, like $24 a, a year, like they just do what they want. Um, however, the thing I'm excited for is if these rumors are true, E3 this year is supposed to have Nintendo announce a new Metroid, which everybody's been waiting for since... Uh, Metroid Prime. That's one of their consistent sellers. That's a good idea. Yeah. And I want a new Donkey Kong Country. I would like that too. Tropical but Freeze was when, so when's good. The, when was the last one out? Tropical Metroid? Freeze on Wii U? Uh, like Donkey two or three Kong. years ago? Okay. It's really good. Oh, so good. Um, but speaking of E3 though, it's actually now open to the public. I heard that. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about that because I... You know, I, I sometimes attend events like this as press, and yeah. I feel yeah. like having all these people come in is going to make it more difficult to like get the in interviews and like stuff that needs that would originally go out to the public. Now, I don't know what, what what's your guys' stance on that. Yeah, it seems ridiculous. Yeah, to me, it just seems like from what I've been listening to about E3, is it's slowly becoming less and less relevant because everybody's just posting all their content online. The well, day and of. then they're having their so, own their own conferences. Like yeah. Nintendo has their own conferences. Sony has their what the Sony PAX conference. Yeah. Is that what that is? Or no, no, Sony has their PS experience, PS experience in, in yeah. December. And now Microsoft is kind of like almost foregoing E3. They're doing their press conference on Sunday, yeah. and E3 starts on Tuesday. So. They're, well, anyways, regardless of uh, what Microsoft's doing, they're selling these tickets for $250. They already Jeez. sold out of the first 1000 for 150 for the three days. Jeez. And 250 for the three days is what they cost now. But from what, I've been, what I understand is there's not a whole lot for people to do once they get there. There's not a lot of playable content. There's not a lot of booths to even see. And all the stuff that's really cool, like the behind closed doors, like you're not going to be able to do that with your tickets. So, so you're just gonna there's around. a lot of... It's easy to generate a lot of bad will too with yeah. E3 because now like every website in the world like tracks your did you live up to your E3 mm -hmm. show hype or whatever like did you keep your promises and that kind of stuff and we just promise them. stuff hey someday in the future we're gonna give you Shenmue 3 and Final Fantasy 7 it's like okay yeah uh, maybe not during PS4's life cycle maybe so one <laughs> E3 yeah that's. I, we're all going to have oxygen tanks when we finally get to play Final Fantasy VII. For me, E3 is like kind of really fun because it's a day where you just see tons of announcements. But yeah. like like one of my fa my most anticipated game for last year that didn't show up, South Park, uh, A Fractured Butthole, which is now, I don't know if you read, it got delayed to fiscal 2018. It was supposed so to be March. It got delayed. It got delayed like last week. From now, it's sometime between March 2017 and April. Or no, no. April 2017 and March 2018. It's going to vanish. It's going to be scale-bound all over again. I don't think it will vanish because it's a Ubisoft game and they almost always put out their games. But my guess is, just like the first one, they're going to delay it till at least They probably least decided one. there wasn't a, enough collectibles in Assassin's Creed tie-ins. <laughs> <laughs> they needed a stealth wasn't mechanic. There wasn't enough locations to look at on the map. So Yeah, I, I am sadly... We climbing in this game. I sadly have a lot more reservations about... Fractured Butthole just because it's not handled by uh, Obsidian. Obsidian, where it's done by Ubisoft's own internal company or something like that. So, and I saw some of the combat and it looks a little bit more stale. I do like the idea of uh, like it's a strategy RPG now, like yeah. turn-based tactical. But I liked yeah. the old system a lot, so I'm hoping it's m more fun. Because if not, that's gonna suck. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call with corporate, yeah. with like a company like Ubisoft because. 
they their internal team is probably filled with talent, but yeah. they're probably they're like they don't have an identity yeah. other than Ubisoft games of being like explore the map and collect find stuff. stuff. So it's if like what they're, they're probably <laughs> looking at. They're like, okay, what's cool about this RPG and this action game and this adventure game, and like let's do like pull all that together. Whereas Obsidian was like, okay, we're Obsidian, we do this. Let's make this South Park game. Like that's probably why it was one of the reasons why it was so great. Like they made Obsidian made a South Park game, but like Ubisoft is probably trying to make another South Park game that's like a market research South Park. Game. Yeah, I so just hope like, they they take what they know, learned like, from the first. They one. probably did mostly. It's probably like they're getting all their game ideas from focus groups as opposed to just being like a company that does their thing. Yeah, I sometimes that's not a bad idea, but you shouldn't rely solely on focus groups. Because it's nice to know what the fans thought of the games. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, like what how, you have to do. How good are focus groups at really saying like like the large market and of fans? That, that's the problem too. Everyone is so opinionated. Everyone there's such like a vast like amount of different opinions that people have, and it's, you know it's hard to know what's what most of the time. Did you guys want to feel like there's Oh, sorry, shouldn't ahead. be that kind of thing and developers because game development is is as much technical as it is art yeah and i think that more developers should just be able to like pursue their identity as a developer it would lead to better game experiences i think overall because yeah everything being market research is the reason why we have like the era where everything was a first-person game and yeah. then the era now where everything is an ubisoft game where yeah. it's like All kind of rpg but not Kind of action adventure, but not kind of this, but a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like, instead, it would be better. Like, I think that's one of the reasons that that Square has been on such like a like a weird kick of like bad games for so long because well, recently they do, they've turned the tide. Yeah, they turned the tide a little bit recently, but for so long it yeah, was like they were trying to they were putting out games. It was like we're trying to reach Western audiences, or we're trying to reach the we're trying to like focus on our core audience. It's like they just get it all wrong because. They're trying to like create something that's not internal to them. Like, it's like it would be like if Apple Records like reformed and was like, "We're gonna make a new Beatles record because the fans want it, even though half of them are dead." Yeah. So it's like, like you can't like the game at the end of the day, like the director of the game, like the scenario writer of the game, the composer for the game, the designers for the game. Those are like members of the band. Yeah. Like, if you, it's the same reason why if Square ever did a new Chrono game, it would probably be. Even if it was a good game, it wouldn't yeah. be anything like Chrono Trigger because it would, they would have to do it via market research. They wouldn't, like, they're not going to have that team back together that's responsible for the atmosphere of Chrono Trigger. Speaking of which, though, did you guys get an uh, uh, email for Final Fantasy XV, like, help us shape the future? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, it's like a, it was a survey. It was a survey. Yeah, I, I filled it in, like, I just put where it's like, hey, how can we make the game better? Allow me to take all the bounty quests at one time and not have to go back here and then turn them in anywhere I want. But um, but yeah, it was it's exactly what you guys were talking about. They had a market research. I think that can be good, but yeah, I don't think the best games are made when you're not concerned. Yeah. Like the guys who make the great indie games don't go about like thinking, man, how can I make this game or do that? They do stuff they like. Yeah. Like Stardew Valley, the guy was like, hey, I want to make another Harvest Moon. Um, Undertale, hey, I want to make a game where there's three different endings. Like, they did something they liked, and people responded, you know? Yeah, um, Bastion, one of the best games yeah. ever. <laughs> and then, the, and I like Bastion, and I do like their future games, but like Transistor to me, I played it, it was okay, 
it's just not, it doesn't have the same heart that Bastion had. Because I, I think they were I like, got, oh, Bastion was good. Yeah, so, I, I never played it because they, they ditched Xbox for it. You can get on like, an iPad with a controller. Yeah, it's so. on computer too, but it's. Yeah, uh, I never played on computer. <laughs> so. it just, they just lost the customers all <laughs> what it came down to. It, looks, it, looks, it looked really cool to me. It's cool, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the same heart as Bastion was. It wasn't, it tried doing it, and it's very successful in some ways, and it's better in some, but. I, there's some magic that's not there anymore that a lot of people try to regain. But um, we only have one last topic we want to discuss today, and that is about a particular YouTube personality named PewDiePie. Do you guys know much about him? I know he has a buttload of followers on YouTube. Just like us! Yeah. With our zero views, we're closing I, in on him right as we speak. Right. <laughs> I, look at, I look at PewDiePie the same way I look at BuzzFeed. It's like everything that I think is wrong with my generation. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I think I'm like, we're, I'm like that age for millennials where I'm like young enough to be screwed over by everything that baby boomers did to the world, yeah. but too old, like old enough to think that like, we're a disaster yeah. Yeah. because of it's, it's, social media and the aforementioned things I just said. Yep. I look at I, I, the whole YouTuber thing anyway. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it either. We didn't. We didn't grow up in an era where people made bazillions of dollars. You know, just making videos. Yeah. Whatever. Great for him. That was awesome. He rode that train for a long time. Owns a lot of nice houses. However, he just got himself knocked off of Google. YouTube and he was uh, Disney was like helping him with their company called Maker Studios that like hires or has YouTube personalities. Now that part's um, interesting to me because Disney has has a colorful history with Jews anyway. Yeah, and so <laughs> as it sounds like probably everybody knows, he did some anti-Semitic or had some people post some anti-Semitic remarks in one of his videos where he used an Israeli company named Fiverr where you pay people like. As low as five dollars, or up to—I actually I haven't used the app, so I don't know what it's up to—to to just do whatever you want. Yeah. So it's like you post it, and then somebody can accept it. And these, these sadly, these very poor Indian men—it um, took him up on his fiber and held a sign that I guess they didn't even know. Maybe they only speak Hindi or can only read Hindi, but it said "Death to all Jews." And no, just, uh, I, I know, I know where we're going with this. It's yeah, so. Uh, it's it's crazy, but um, it's crazy that he would post something like that, especially in nowadays where it's like, yeah, he thought it was funny, you know, we do have freedom of speech, but at that same thing being said, like, it is a company's decision whether they want to hire somebody or keep somebody on their payroll or not. I'm just curious what you guys think, what you think about this. It's uh, I mean, he's run by Disney, he was getting paid by YouTube Red, and he was also on, like, Google advertisements, and all three of those people dropped him. I'm sure he'll still make money through some other source because he's so popular. I doubt this one video is going to stop anything. But, I, I mean, that's probably a huge amount of his cash is now just in limbo. But how much money does YouTube make off of him? Because he's one of, like, their highest subscribed personalities. I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know how to, like... I, I don't even know how much money he makes. I know at one point he was the highest paid person at, like... $20 million or something stupid okay, like so that. So imagine if he goes over to Vimeo, do you think that... Well, Vimeo's owned by YouTube, I think. Okay, well, yeah. some, some <laughs> other video site, do you think that they would... MySpace. MySpace. MySpace, yeah. <laughs> owned so, by Jason Timberlake. What if he re ends up resurrecting MySpace? So it's like, it, you know, who, who knows? Like, you even have, you've had stories of television personalities being kicked off networks and then being picked up by other networks and the networks they were kicked off of instantly regret it. Yeah, I just, I don't think they're going to change their path because we're living in a world where 
this type of stuff where it's against like a minority, even though like, you know, um, this minority is doing very well right now in the world, it's still like they have been persecuted. So you can't really attack a minority group that has like a history yeah, and yeah. get away with it. And and to me, the joke wasn't funny too. It wasn't like a great joke. Yeah, like he's like the, that's the thing when I, when I read the story, I'm just like, it was stupid. Why? It's, un <laughs> it's unnecessary. It was unnecessary. Like, yeah, maybe I feel bad for him, but yeah, like, it's unnecessary it's just for dumb. him. He just didn't need to do that. He was just trying to cross lines and barriers that didn't need to be crossed. And I get it. Like everybody's probably thinks like, Oh, he's PewDiePie. He's not going to do anything outrageous because he makes all this money. So he's like, oh, I'm going to do something outrageous. <laughs> but why, man? Well, I, thought I, I thought I read that his show is often like that. I guess, yeah. I guess he supposedly did other anti-Semitic remarks people were saying. I, and then I, and I, I, I led me to reading an article, I believe on Kotaku, that had to do with like how like YouTubers in general like say terrible things, like whether it's like other racist remarks or slurs that, and that kind of stuff. That's a good point. You could probably go on YouTube and find videos that are, you know, four or five times worse than what yeah, he did. Yeah, sure, but they're, but they're, but they're, they're not still, PewDiePie. They're not yeah. yeah, but people that are still, like, have, like, views in the millions and yeah, stuff like that. but they're not, they're not uh, managed by Disney. The point is, is that I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't get <laughs> like, it. Like, I don't get, I don't get the, I don't get the whole sensation of it in the first place. I, I don't get it either. The internet is a weird thing. And it just is weird. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't understand why people like him. Like he's he annoys me when I watch his show. He's kind of annoying to me. So I don't know like what he appeals to kids. I can see why. Yeah. But like personally, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch him. So hearing about him getting kicked off YouTube is like it's whatever to me. I don't, you know? We just live in a strange wasteland. Um, it I just think. seems like like this sort of like existential loneliness. It seems like people can see like, oh, this guy does nothing and makes $20 million. Like, I could be famous on the internet and people will see me and I'll be known. And they, they like, be, instead I think they just see that the world is more and more out of their control. And so they look for things that they can control. And it creates this whole like generation of like junior high, junior high kids that are 30. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's a strange world and I think we're going to see more and more stories like this. Um, but however, we're going to cut today a little bit short. There's going to be a lot of news next time we come back if we come back in two weeks. If we're back in one week, maybe less news. But in two weeks, the Nintendo Switch will be here. I think it's two weeks. Oh, two weeks from tomorrow. So we'll be very close. Hopefully, we'll have some new, more news about that. Um, if people want to email us to talk with us, if that even exists, we uh, will probably have an email soon and probably have a Twitter. I don't know. That's another thing that we all... Uh, and action figures. We will dump. have action yeah, figures. Yeah, we all... Our main, our main goal is to, uh, since we have zero views right now, is to get as many people to buy our action figures as possible. Eric will have an axe in case you're <laughs> Nope, I'm Swordman. Swordman. Swordsman. And I will have an axe, though, and I will I, be the tri-grid. I'm Swordman. <laughs> every RPG I play, I will forego the more powerful weapon if it's an axe. If it's not a, like if it's not a sword. Well, that's because they always okay. make swords the best, though. In the end, I've never played a game where no, it's, they made it's because swords are cooler. I know, but and, I mean, that's I've not never... true. Axes are always stronger. They're stronger, but they have like less speed. Like you find that if you want the most balanced character, you always go with swords. Yeah, swords also look cooler. I'm gonna have a wizard staff, so when you guys are battling the oh, politically correct, I am going to be healing you guys and casting hate I think we actually, so. I think we are mostly on the side of the politically correct. So. <laughs> and yeah, today, uh, and today that's kind of how it turned I, because... I, 
I like, an idiot. <laughs> I, like the, I like the motto of don't be a dick, so... Yeah, I, there's too much kind of hate in the world to be like, yeah, let's support hate. <laughs> I mean, I am pro-hate guy myself, so uh, I've been trying to focus on that every day. Just trying to make sure I burn more trees and uh, pollute the world and kill more people. <laughs> Don't uh, edit that out, Josh. Um, Next but, time on Clubbing Baby Seals with Brian. <laughs> Well, anyways, it was fun talking. Uh, we'll try to figure out a way to let people, if they're interested, contact us so we can answer questions because we are all very, very bright. Because we don't always have the facts, but we <laughs> always have opinions. There we go. Hooray! I like that motto. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, to us people that can feel things, it, it, uh, it hurts.